Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Welcome into 49ers Access. My name is Sterling Bennett, and today we are going to preview the outlook of the rest of the season for the San Francisco 49ers. Can they keep up their seven wins in a row type pace? Where does the current playoff picture currently stand after week 15? Does any team truly scare you in the NFC? Also going to dive into how far can Brock Purdy actually carry the San Francisco 49ers, and ask ourselves, are there any concerns? I have one. Are there any concerns heading into the final three weeks of the NFL season? So week 15 of the NFL playoffs might have been, if not the craziest, one of the craziest, most insane weeks of football action we have had in years. It felt like every single game it was either uh overtime or a game-winning field goal or was you know the underdog taking the lead late against the you know the team that was supposed to win every game felt like that it either meant something or there was just an incredible finish to almost every single game on the week 15 slate for the nfl and for the niners for fans of the niners things kicked off perfectly you went on Thursday against Seattle. You secure the NFC West division for the first time since 2019. But more importantly, and well, maybe not more importantly, but with the NFC West division victory on Thursday rather than a Saturday or a Sunday or even a Monday, the long weekend gave the Niners and the fans, the faithful, the opportunity to sit back and watch the competition. To ask ourselves and find out who is real, who's not real. We got to, for the first time this season, truly scout the landscape of the NFC. And I'm not going to lie to you, I'm not too worried. I can understand some Niner fans leaving Week 15, going into Week 16, saying, Wow, the Niners might be the best team in the NFC. And some might say, if not the best team in football, the second best? I mean, the Bills didn't look amazing against the Dolphins, albeit it was snow, and we know the, the weather plays an effect. But the Chiefs almost lost, probably should have lost, to the, the Texans. And we'll get into the Vikings game, my goodness. So, Week 15 starts off great for San Francisco. Win the division, and you watch the NFC kind of play itself out and the first game Saturday morning I sat on my couch in my living room and I watched every single play of this Colts Vikings game the Colts were up 33 to nothing they had 
with two defensive touchdowns. The Vikings looked awful, and I'm sitting there saying, oh my goodness, San Francisco was going to have the number two seed in the NFC. That the Colts are going to knock off the Vikings, opening the door for the Niners to now be the number two seed after being three in four earlier this year. The Niners might be the number two seed. Well, Jeff Saturday and Matt Ryan could not win on Saturday. And Matty Ice, I mean, oh my God, he froze into an icicle. He was awful. How do you blow a 33-point lead? At Like, you could literally just take four, three knees every drive and milk off four minutes or close to four minutes off the clock every single time you touch the football and you likely still would have won this game. I mean, my goodness. For all the... And look, I was on Twitter. I, I was talking crap. It was premature, I know. But I was like, in all caps, the Niners are going to be the number two seed in the NFC after this game. The Vikings are frauds. The Colts are amazing. Wow, Jeff Saturday could have seen this coming. Kirk Cousins stings. He's not a good quarterback. And, and look, you do have to give credit where credit is due. They didn't give up, that being the Vikings. They fought back. Like, they do deserve credit. And it wasn't like their second half was flawless. Jalen Rager looked like, I mean, he pretty much cost two picks in this game for Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins wasn't great at all in this game until late in the second half. Like, the, the Vikings do deserve some credit. That being said, Matt Ryan, 28-3 to and 33-0. to nothing. I just, oh, <laughs> like... They blew a chance for San Francisco to become the number two seed in, in, in the NFC. But my takeaway from this game, despite maybe it being premature, is, yeah, the Vikings are fraudulent. The Vikings don't deserve to be the number two seed. And I, it, it makes me believe that in their next three games against either the Giants, the Packers, or the Bears, they are going to lose at least one of those games. And... Look, the Vikings are a good team. They're a good team. A 10-win team. You don't win 10 games by being bad. Now, there was some luck. That Buffalo Bills game, <laughs> that was pretty lucky. This game, you need some luck on your side. But I asked myself when people were like, well, are you sure about that, Sterling? Are you sure they're fraudulent? They came back. Biggest comeback in NFL history. They won 39-36 to in overtime. Are you sure about that? And I'm like, yeah. Because let me ask you this. What are the odds the Niners' defense gives up 36 points in the second half? What are the odds? Likely, and for this season, zero. Zero. In the last 30, or excuse me, the last three games, the Niners' defense has allowed 37 points combined. What the Colts did in one half of play, the Niners haven't done or have done over the course of three games against a Seattle team who was once thought to be or at one point was the, the division leader against Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. 
and against the Saints, who aren't a good team, but somehow still in the playoff hunt, like what the Colts did on Sunday, it, if I'm Jim Irsay, I'm firing two coaches. <laughs> I mean, my God, how do you, how does that happen? But even more so, the Niners' defense this year, in their last seven games, has given up 24 second half points combined. My confidence, despite the Vikings' comeback, has never been higher in San Francisco being the better team. And that's with the seventh-round third-string quarterback at the helm. And with no Delo Samuel, no Elijah Mitchell, might get back, might not get back, Javon Kinlaw, no Emmanuel Mosley. My confidence has never been higher. Never. But that wasn't the only game this weekend that was insane. The Cowboys and the Jaguars. The Cowboys were up 21-7 to at halftime. In the second half, the Jaguars put up 27 points against what was supposed to be a top-five defense in football. Like, I don't think any top-five defense in football gives up 27 points in the second half in one game. Again, San Francisco, 37 points in the last three games combined. 24 second-half points in the last seven games. The Niners have allowed less second-half points during their seven-game win streak than the Cowboys allowed against the Jaguars on Sunday. I do not understand how that defense is considered a top-five defense. Now, look, the Chiefs game still exists. And in that game, you can say they were banged up. They had some guys that were hurt. Now, the Falcons game, that's a little different to me. But they were hurt in that Chiefs game. The Cowboys' defense on Sunday against Jacksonville allowed six or the Cowboys defense has allowed 63 points total in back-to-back weeks against the Jaguars. Guess who number two is? The Jaguars and the Houston Texans. The Cowboys defense, at least the last two weeks, has been fraudulent just like the Vikings. In the last six games, the Niners' defense has allowed 63 points combined. I'm telling you, and maybe this is a testament to how good San Francisco's defense actually is. I mean, I think Joe Staley said this defense, and I would agree, is better than the 2019 defense. And I would agree. I think it is. You have three great linebackers, or at least good linebackers, and Warner and Greenlaw are, are the best in the NFL. And Al Shire is he's good. <laughs> and he has the potential to be great. They have an amazing front seven. They have a solid secondary all the way around. Doesn't matter how many guys get hurt, the next man steps up and is better. That's just how it's gone all year for San Francisco. But I want to ask you a question because we talked about Kirk Cousins, that game against the Vikings, or, you know, their game against the Colts and the comeback. But I want to ask you this question. And maybe you've heard it before, but I do want to offer it up to you to respond. Hit us on social media 
or in the YouTube chat or on the Spotify, wherever you want to respond to this question or or Twitter, is Dak Prescott just Kirk Cousins? Is he just the Kirk Cousins of the NFC East? Is he just maybe Tony Romo 2.0? Like, both ultra-likable guys, they're good people, they're good leaders. A guy that you would say, yeah, I would go to battle with Kirk Cousins. I'd go to battle with Dak Prescott. Two guys that have your respect, but ultimately, they are a living, breathing, 4,000-yard passer, but a guaranteed first-round playoff exit. Like, that, to me, is who Dak Prescott has been since he came back from the injury in Week 7. You know Dak Prescott has 10 interceptions since Week 7? That's the most in football. For a while there, and, and I'll be honest with you, I do like Dak Prescott. Back in, what, 2020, there was talks of, like, what if San Francisco can get Dak Prescott? I was like, yeah, bring him on. I love Dak Prescott. I think he's a good quarterback. I think he's a quarterback that, you know, he would fit well in this Niners scheme. I think he does everything you'd want a quarterback to do. Now, the issue is is that in big games, just like Kirk Cousins, he has the knack to give the ball away. He has the the potential to be the reason you lose. Go back to last year. That stupid attempt to spike the football instead of just calling a play with one second left. Just go for it, man. Against San Francisco in the playoffs. Like, Dak Prescott was not good in this game, or in that game last year, but he also wasn't good in this game against Jacksonville. And I'm supposed to sit here and say, wow, I'm scared of the Vikings. I'm scared of the Cowboys. Woo. And the ghost of Jerry Jones? I mean, come on, man. Like, I don't want to sound too cocky because I do respect both those teams. Both 10-win teams, both still in the running for the number one seed. Both have the same record we do as the Niners. So I don't want to come across as like I'm talking mad crap about the Cowboys who are a good team. I, I, I respect them. I respect the Vikings. They can beat good teams. They have beat good teams. But the difference is, San Francisco isn't a good team. They're a great team. And that's what, to me, separates them. Where Dallas is a good team. The Vikings are a good team. But in the playoffs, you know who wins games? Not good teams. Great teams win games in the playoffs. That is why... Last year, San Francisco beat Dallas in Dallas. That's why they beat Green Bay in Green Bay. Last year, San Francisco was not a good team. They were a great team. This year, San Francisco, on their third-string quarterback, are still not just a good team. They're a great team. And I do think they have the recipe to beat a team like The Cowboys or the Vikings. Teams that on paper sound like strong titans of the NFC. But on the gridiron, fold like pieces of paper. The Vikings were down 33 to nothing. In what world would this Niners team 
lose that game. The Colts scored three points in the second half. I mean, there are no words <laughs> to describe what happened in Minnesota on Saturday. And for the Cowboys, look, Kyle Shanahan has blown plenty of games in his life. Super Bowls, last year against the Rams, there are plenty of games. I get that. That is a That has been and will be a criticism until he wins the big one. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Of, oh, another big loss for Kyle Shanahan. He ain't blowing that lead to the Jaguars. At least Kyle Shanahan can say, I blew that lead to Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. Where it was the final two teams standing. Dallas Cowboys lost to the Jaguars, who might finish in third place, or I guess second place, in the AFC South, behind a bad Titans team. And the Vikings almost lost to the Colts, who hired a head coach that worked at ESPN with no experience beforehand, that didn't have their star running back three-quarters of the game. I mean, come on. Every team has a mulligan. The difference is San Francisco had that against the Falcons, and then Kansas City, and then said, enough's enough, here's seven wins in a row, and now we're 10-4, and four, and they might just be the best team in the NFC, maybe outside Philadelphia, but I talked about Jeff Saturday, and how he was hired off the street from ESPN, well, the team that he beat in his first game played on Sunday, and I know it isn't Niner related, but it's the Raiders, and we might as well talk about it. Because the Raiders and the Patriots played, and this may have been the craziest ending to a game ever. I'm talking, the band's on the field! The band's on the field! Kind of crazy ending. It may have been as crazy as a couple years back when Gronk was still in New England. They put him at safety to play defense, and the Dolphins had like five laterals, and Jakeem Grant ran for a touchdown, walked off. It was like their first win against Tom Brady and the Patriots, like ever. It was crazy. Like, that's what I'm talking about. And it was also a rough weekend for refs. I don't know how Cole Sr.'s touchdown was a touchdown. Now, if you think it was, I get that's a hard play to overturn. I get that. But, like, my goodness. that <laughs> There was some white on them shoes, my friend. But then what the heck was Jacoby Myers thinking? Like, oh, my God. Like, and then Mac Jones, <laughs> did anybody else feel good that Mac Jones got stiff-armed? Was that just me? I felt pretty good about that. I was like, wow, that's awesome. <laughs> like, if any quarterback in football, maybe outside of Brady, Rodgers, Russell Wilson, who's going through his own hell in Denver, but I was like, wow. And I and I do like Mac Jones. Like, I think Mac Jones is a fine quarterback. I think he was flourish in this system, but he would be much more of a system quarterback 
than any other guy we put in here so far. But it was like, wow. Like, all the the memes of Mac Jones crying, getting carried off the field. Like, it's just funny. Like, Mac Jones, despite me liking him, looks like the prep school kid that has the popped-up collar, and you're like, God, I just hate that guy. Like, he might, might be a nice guy, but you're like, Mac I just hate the way that you come across. The way that you look bothers me. And I don't like it. And Chandler Jones is shoving that guy to the ground, running for a touchdown. I mean, how many games have to end like this for the Raiders? Feels like every single week is like we talk about a roller coaster ride for the Niners. You know, every game's crazy, the ebbs and flows of the season. Every single play for Las Vegas feels like that, where it's like you're on the edge of your seat like, oh, they're going to finish the game. Oh, oh. like you don't know what's going to happen next. But wow. But there are two other games that I do think, or they actually do, not I do think, but they actually do, play a much bigger role into what the playoffs look like for San Francisco. The first one being the Giants and Commanders. This one probably had the biggest implications for San Francisco in the playoffs. And even this game ended in a very weird way, right? You know, the commanders had the ball at the goal line. McLaurin points to the ref saying, hey, am, am I on the line of scrimmage? He's like, yeah, you're good. Then they hike the play and McLaurin's like, dude, I asked you to, am I good? And he's like, nah, it throws a flag. And it's just like, what the heck? And it nullifies the Washington touchdown with two points or within two points. Then the NFL or the refs don't call a P.I. on the Giants on fourth down. And you're like, what the heck's going on? The hashtag NFL rigged is trending on Twitter. And it's like, it's a bad look for the NFL. But more importantly, for the Niners, what happened on Sunday, while maybe the Vikings still won, the Cowboys lost, doesn't change much for the playoff picture. What happened against the Giants and Commanders did. So right now, the NFC playoff picture is Eagles 1. They would have the first round bye. Vikings 2, 11-3. Niners 3, 10-4. One game behind the Vikings. The Buccaneers somehow treading water at 6-8. and eight, Are the number 4 seed currently. 5 is Cowboys, 10-4. Giants, 8-5. Commanders, 7 6, so 8 5 and 1, 7 6 and 1 for the Giants and the Commanders. But behind them is the Seahawks 7 and 7. The Dan Quinn bite kneecaps. I don't care if you got two ass cheeks going to kick you in the ass. <laughs> Dan Campbell. Packers at 7 and 8 now, or 6 and 8, excuse me. And the Panthers 5 and 9, Saints 5 and 9, Falcons 5 and 9. Like, this NFC playoff picture can shift so much the Niners can be number two Vikings three Cowboys can be number one by the end of the year like the commanders may fall out the Giants could fall out the Buccaneers might fall out like there's so much that can change so it's so hard to look at you know who could you play in the first round but I do think that San Francisco is likely going to play either the Lions or the commanders come round one of the playoffs and I do think that's because San Francisco is going to become the number two seed. Becoming the one seed is going to be tough. But we did get news today that Jalen Hurts 
a likely MVP candidate, some say the favorite, that he's going to miss time. Now, who knows how much? The initial report said broken collarbone, season ending, and that was like, that's not true. And so you're like, okay, hey, what's going on with Jalen Hurts in New England, or in Philadelphia, excuse me? And if the Eagles lose out, they lose their next three games, and San Francisco wins their next three games, San Francisco would surpass the Vikings and the Eagles for the number one seed in the NFL, or in the NFC, excuse me. Now, it's a long shot, likely not going to happen, but I will say, I do wonder how long Jalen Hurts will be out. Anytime a quarterback has a shoulder injury, now I'm not sure what shoulder it is, whether it's left, whether it's right, I don't know. I didn't watch that game too closely, I was too busy watching every single other game on TV. I just said, oh, it's Eagles-Bears. Give it to the Eagles. Game's likely over with. But that being said, the Eagles have three games left. And I do wonder for a team rolling, they have 12 wins this year, 13 wins. They're a really good team. If there is any team in the NFC I do not want to play, it's the Eagles. Because that means you're likely going to have to go to Philadelphia and that crowd and... San Francisco could win that game, but it's going to be a dogfight to the end, and it'll be a heck of a game. The NFL wants that game because they know it's going to be great for ratings. But the Eagles, their backup quarterback is Garner Minshew, who I do like. He has some swag. I'm a big fan of the the unbuttoned denim t-shirt, the the, the chest hair showing, the mullet. I love all that, the the mustache, like looking like Burt Reynolds. Love that stuff. Big fan of that stuff. But they got the Cowboys this Saturday, the Saints next Sunday on New Year's Day, and the Giants to end the season. While I do think Philadelphia has a better team than the Cowboys, the Saints, and the Giants, I also do wonder for a team that has been so reliant on the mobile quarterback, what Jalen Hurts brings to the offense of his dual threat ability. I do wonder, how does Nick Sirianni in the offense, how do they maneuver knowing they don't have that? They don't have a quarterback that is going to be in the pocket 95% of the time. Read options are kind of dead. And I do wonder, does that limit what they can do offensively? If you told Lamar Jackson, who's a good quarterback, I just want you to throw the football. It changes the entire offense in Baltimore. Same with Justin Fields in Chicago. Same with Mariota in Atlanta, albeit he's hurt, but you get my point. You are taking away one of the biggest threats the Eagles offense has had all year that other teams don't have the luxury with. And now you're going from Jalen Hurts, a a potential MVP candidate, if not MVP winner, by year's end, to Gardner Minshew, who hasn't played all year, which, Niner fans know, means nothing now, apparently. (laughs) But my point more so is there is no promise they win against Dallas. Okay, well then Dallas creeps up one game. Big game for them. Well, 
What if Jalen Hurts plays the Saints? Now, that's the game they're likely going to win, but Saints have a good, good defense. And if they can somehow stay alive, they're fighting for a playoff spot, just like they were last year in Week 18. And the Giants, maybe they lose next week. Every single team the Eagles are going to play, potentially, without their starting MVP possible quarterback, are either firmly clinching a playoff spot like Dallas, or they are the Saints and the Giants who, they are in the playoff hunt. Those three games for them are not going to be easy. On the flip side, San Francisco has they got the Commanders, who I think they're, they're a fine team. They're already talking about changing quarterbacks, though. Are they going back to Wentz? Is it going to be Heineke? Probably still going to be Heineke, but we'll see. A whole week to go. But they're an okay team. Not great, but they're, they're, they're okay. They have a good defense. Chase Young might come back. Okay, but I would still give the edge to San Francisco back at home on the long week. Well, then it's the Raiders. Now, that game does bother me. It does worry me. It's the Raiders. They, they, they win weird games. They lose weird games. Darren Waller's back. Renifer's back. We'll talk when we get there, but that game could be a trap game. On paper, shouldn't be, but you just never know. Then it's the Cardinals with Trace McSorley and Colt McCoy. Okay. There is a chance that San Francisco can secure the number one seed in the NFC. Will it happen? Likely not. Could it happen? Yeah. Yes, it could. And with that being said, that does make me raise a question to you. How far can Brock Purdy truly carry the Niners? Now, I want to preface the question by saying, I do not think Brock Purdy necessarily has to carry the Niners. This defense will carry the Niners. This defense who, what, has allowed, let's go back, has given up 37 points in the last three games combined, given up 23 second half points in the last seven games, uh, has allowed 63 points in the last six games combined. That defense will lead this team. But my question is, with Brock Purdy at the helm, not Jimmy Garoppolo, who I think we can agree that has been there, he's done that, is a veteran quarterback that come playoff time, you know, when push comes to shove, you might want in the trenches more so than Brock Purdy. Now, we don't know, but that's why I'm asking. This is a big unknown for San Francisco. Now, look, the last three weeks have been a lot of fun. <laughs> a lot of fun, folks. I don't think, like, people are saying the Niners now are better than they were with Jimmy Garoppolo, Trey Lance, than, like, People are saying right now, this is the best iteration of the Kyle Shanahan San Francisco 49ers. And I do not blame them for thinking that. Their Super Bowl chances have gone up since Brock Purdy's been on the team or playing when Garoppolo got hurt since beforehand. <laughs> like, that's not supposed to happen. But I do wonder, or I, I do pose the question... How far do you think a Brock Purdy-led offense or engineered offense can lead the Niners? Would you want 
them to have a letdown game or like the conversation on Twitter has been, you know, would you want San Francisco to lose a game so they don't carry a 10 game winning streak into the playoffs? Like that somehow bothers fans. You know, that means you're due for a loss. Why not get the loss out of the way? And that I say, you never want to lose. I do understand the superstition behind it. I played baseball. Uh, arguably the most superstitious athletes of all of the big sports. Obviously, each sport has their own thing, but baseball is another level of superstition. Same socks, same shoes, same sliding shorts, same batting gloves. You walk up to the batter's box the same way. You lick the same fingers every single time you make a pitch. It, it's a weird sport, but it's very superstitious. So I do understand the feeling of, well, maybe not throw a game, but maybe you lose a game and, you know, kind of offsets whatever mother nature you want to chalk it up to, right? I have no idea how I feel about that. You never want to lose. And especially now... There is a scenario where I do think I would be okay with San Francisco losing. And that's if they have played the next two games. They beat Washington. They beat the Raiders. And the Eagles have clinched the number one seed. At that point, you're playing for number two. Does it matter at that point? Nah. Like, being number two, number three, the only difference is you might get to host a third playoff game at Levi Stadium. Now, that's a big deal to some fans. And I do think for this team, that'd be huge. I do think if that's the case, then you got to fight till the end, <laughs> right? But if there is a, a an opportunity or a situation where you might say, okay, you can lose a game here, albeit you don't want to do that, you might say week 18 against the Cardinals, what are the odds Trace McSorley loses to the Niners' backups and Josh Johnson because you've already either clinched the, the two with a three seed and you want to rest guys like McCaffrey and Purdy and Kittle, and you're just saying, hey, Ross Dwelly, hey, Danny Gray, here's your reps. I'm okay with that. Now, that is the only instance where I'm saying, look, you can lose that game, and let's be honest here, they probably win that game too. <laughs> like, at that point... The Cardinals are like, we're tanking. Murray's not playing all year. I mean, good God, we need a higher draft pick. Please let us lose this game. But that might be the only situation where I would say losing, quote-unquote, or trying to lose, not trying to win, would be okay with me. But the other question I have for you, and, and we've talked about, you know, who is Brock Purdy? Right now, he's Jesus Christ himself. <laughs> that, that's who he is. Like, right now, he's... Tom Brady reincarnate, Joe Montana reincarnate, whoever you want to call him or compare him to, that's who he is. But the 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 looming threat, the, the looming question, the wonder has been, when is the the letdown game going to come? Do you want to see him struggle, kind of get smacked in the mouth, and then see how he can fight back? I can see wanting to know kind of what you're made of. Or maybe a battle-tested, tough win against the Commanders or the Raiders or the Cardinals, whoever it might be. Like, would you want to see that? 
And I'm, I'm genuinely asking you, would you want to see that? Because some fans have said, you know, like you're riding high for 10 straight games. You've won 10 straight wins. And for Brock Purdy, you've won six straight games or, you know, whatever it'll be by the, by the end of the year. Well, come playoff time, it's an entirely different game. You're going to get smacked in the mouth. How do you respond? And so I do wonder that maybe maybe fans should want a tough-fought victory, not a Saints game, which was maybe that's the wrong idea to use or, or the wrong example to use, but not a Dolphins game, not a, not a Seattle game, you know, not a Cardinals game in Mexico City. Like, do you want a tough-fought, you know, grind-to-the-end victory, or would you just want three blowouts, get this season over with, and see where you are by the end of it? Maybe that's the case. And maybe it's just the fan in me wondering, like, look, maybe I would like to know more about Brock Purdy. Now, I got fans in my in my my DMs being like, Brock Purdy's won all these awards, and like, that's great. Like, that's that shows who he was in college. That shows what he's made of, who he can be. But this is the NFL. It's different. And maybe Brock Purdy is different. <laughs> maybe he's different. He might just be. But I do, like, just kind of speaking freely, it's like, okay, well, maybe you do want that tough thought win for Brock Purdy to get smacked in the mouth and go, okay, get back up, dust himself off and say, I got this. I'm okay. And and maybe that's just the fan in me wondering who is Brock Purdy still after three games. Because, yeah, you're riding high. And in the back of my mind, knock on wood, my, despite me riding the highs of Brock Purdy, Brocky P, Glock Purdy, whatever you want to call him, you know, Big Cock Brock, whatever you want to put next to his name, my mind just can't shake the fact that he's a seventh-round pick, Mr. Irrelevant, and that can mean absolutely nothing. Nothing. How many first-round picks are busts? Many of them. The difference is there are more first-round pick busts then there are Mr. Relevance to ever be good in the NFL. And again, I will be wrong and I will be happy to be wrong. I don't like I am riding the Brock Purdy train till the wheels fall off and, and we'll whatever happens next, we'll figure it out. Right. As most fans should be not sitting there being like, well, I want to be Trey Lance and I want to be Jimmy Garoppolo. No, no, no. He's a freaking quarterback of the team. Root for that guy. Root for whoever's playing under center for this team. That's how it works. We are fans of the team. And in return, you become fans of the players. But you are fans of the team first. This ain't Twilight. You ain't Team Jacob or Team Edward. You're Team 49ers. Right? But again, maybe it's just me saying, what is Brock Purdy made of? He's passed every single test so far. Every single one. Dolphins, good team in the AFC. Tom Brady knocked him off. Seattle, in Seattle, for the division, knocked them off. Looked good doing so in every single game. So, maybe I'm asking too many questions and it should just say, hey, well, he looks pretty good, and, then, and, that's, and that's it. But, I, I, my head just kind of thinks of those things sometimes, of like, well, you know, maybe you might just want him to get, you know, knocked around a bit, have a, you know, 
200-yard game, maybe two picks, and, you know, fights his way back for victory just for me to see what is Brock Purdy made of. But that being said... Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Are there any concerns heading in to the final three weeks of the season? Is it a defensive issue? Is it an offensive issue? And when I was discussing this, there was some small stuff of like, oh, you know, you got a mobile quarterback in Taylor Heineke. How's that going to go? You know, the Raiders have Waller and Renfro back. It's likely the best offense on paper you've played since Miami, and you beat them. You know, how does that look? You know, I don't know. There's so many things to nitpick because, like, well, we won seven games in a row. We're riding high. We're feeling good. And sometimes, at least myself, goes, well, where can the next issue happen? How can I get ahead of the curve and say, well, this might be a concern. And sometimes you can rack your brain with that stuff. And, and that's what I do sometimes. And I go, well, you know, but it's the Niners. Seven wins in a row. Defense is playing historically well. It's Brock Purdy, Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk. Like, where does a concern lie with this team. Now, I do think there is a natural questioning of Brock Purdy because it's just been three games. That stuff just happens, right? But I do think that potentially, it's not a concern yet, but potentially. And look, I don't want to be someone who's like complaining and trying to, you know, it's not me. You listen to the podcast, you know, we're having a good time here. We're riding high. When there's bad things, we discuss those bad things. When there's good things, which is what we like to focus on here, we'll talk about the good things. And seven games in a row, there's been some good things. But potentially, do you just wonder about Christian McCaffrey's usage? Because there were many fans late in that Seattle game, including myself, saying, where is Jordan Mason. Why is he not out there? After Debo went down, it was okay. You're using that guy that way. Where's Jordan Mason? And not blaming Shanahan for Debo's injury. I ain't about that. But there were some fans saying, well, if that was Jordan Mason, that wouldn't have happened. And it's Debo Samuel and Jordan Mason. I mean, come on. It's it's Debo. It's Jordan Mason. Debo's a better player. I'm sorry, but he is. But th- that being said, are there concerns about Christian McCaffrey's usage? Now, look, Christian McCaffrey, since being traded to San Francisco, so not the Chiefs game, but the Rams game afterwards, where he had full playbook, we have McCaffrey at his full disposal. He's averaging about, you know, 22-ish attempts a game, 22-ish total touches per game. 
that right there is the sweet spot. If McCaffrey's going to be this, you know, he has a mind like the quarterback, well, then he can touch the ball as many times as a quarterback does, <laughs> right? Like, if Brock Purdy's passing the ball 22 times a game, then so can Christian McCaffrey, right? But I do wonder that in the one game we have not seen Debo Samuel, or since the one game Debo Samuel got injured, CMC touched the ball 30-plus times, ran the ball 26 times. Is that a concern? Now, you you have to wonder. You got week 16, week 17, week 18. You are going into the final stretch of the NFL season. You are going into the final stretch of the NFL season for a guy who has ran the ball 200 times this year. That's not even including catches. That's just running the football. I mean, that's that's kind of incredible. Like, McCaffrey's amazing. He has touched the ball, receiving and running, 274 times, almost 300 times. By the end of the season, if healthy, he will have touched the ball 300-plus times. And, again, I'm never going to fault the head coach for getting the ball to his playmakers. That's their job. But I do wonder for a guy like Christian McCaffrey, you have the injuries. That was the big concern of, you know, that's a lot to give up for a guy who's been hurt for the past couple years. And that was me too. Not giving up too much, but like that's a concern trading for a guy like this. That McCaffrey, despite how great he is, and I have heaped his praises since day one, there has always been the underlying, well, when does he get hurt? Or what if he gets hurt? Or he's been hurt. And earlier this year, there was the report of he had knee irritation and he just missed a serious injury on the knee. And I'm not I'm not bringing that back up to be like, it's going to happen. But I, I don't know. You're 10-4. and four. Maybe he doesn't run the ball 26 times at the middle. You know, maybe he doesn't touch the ball 30-plus times because Devo isn't healthy. Maybe it's 24 times. Now, let's be honest here. He can touch it one time, and he's done for the season. That's football. That's how it goes. And this is kind of a nitpick because the team's been so freaking good for the past two months, right? But I do wonder if there is a concern amongst the fan base. And I do think for myself, there may be one when it comes to, hey, especially late in the game, maybe you just give it to Jordan Mason. I think he has proven, if you have a lead, that Jordan Mason can get the job done. Against the Saints, against Seattle. Like, Jordan Mason, he's on, he's on the doorstep of getting that first touchdown. He's averaging, like, seven yards a carry. He, he's been really good for this team in very short spurts to preserve Christian McCaffrey while having no Debo Samuel, especially if you want to fight for the one seed, you're going to need McCaffrey. And if you want to win any Super Bowl, I don't care if Debo's healthy. I don't care if Ayuk is healthy. I don't care if Mitchell is healthy. The only way San Francisco likely wins the Super Bowl this year is having Christian McCaffrey healthy.
That's just... It makes sense. He's been the defining factor of when this season switched. He has been the best offensive weapon in the NFL this year, potentially, since Week 7. Like, he's been house freaking money. Everything San Francisco traded for and more, so why not preserve that? Why not protect that to a certain degree? Why not let Jordan Mason get 10 carries a game? 12 carries a game? Let him share that load like you were trying to give McCaffrey and Mitchell, right? It was McCaffrey earlier in the game, get out to a lead, then Mitchell comes in, plays bulldozer, and wins the game for you. Or is the running back getting carries to note the clock and being your bell cow? Let Jordan Mason be that guy. I don't want to see McCaffrey get hurt too. No one does, obviously. Not, like, come on. But my my point is, is that if you want to win, you got to have CMC on the field. Even if Debo's healthy, you got to have CMC. He does he does so much for the offense. And, and the last thing anybody wants to see is McCaffrey in a game late with the lead go down. You want that guy healthy because you need him healthy if you want to get the big one. If you want to hoist that Lombardi, that number sixth, yeah. You need Chris McCaffrey. That being said, stay tuned later on this week. We will preview the Niners against the Washington Commanders. That game is this Saturday on Christmas Eve, a Christmas Eve game. Maybe an early Christmas present for us Niners faithful. But in the meantime, I want you to follow us on social media. The Twitter is 49ers underscore access to the Instagram 49ers.access. You can also use our promo code 49ersaccess, 49ERSACCESS. If you want to go to that Commanders game and you want to save money in the meantime, heck, if you want to drive your butt all the way to Las Vegas or you want to go to, to, to watch the Niners play the Cardinals at Levi's again at the end of the year, Use our promo code 49ERSACCESS, 49ERSACCESS. Save yourself $20 off your first purchase at SeatGeek.com. It's the holidays. Things are expensive. You bought so many gifts. Why not reward yourself and save some money? In the meantime, 20 bucks might pay for the parking. Who knows? Also, use our Fanatics link down in the description. Again, it's the holidays. You want to buy that holiday gift, that Christmas gift for your loved one, significant other, heck, even for yourself. You want that Brock Purdy jersey? Use that Fanatics link down in the description. Save yourself some money and support the show. In the meantime, don't forget to like, share, subscribe, leave that review. And until next time, my name is Sterling Bennett. This has been the 49er Access Podcast. And stay faithful. Stay faithful.